Well, hey, everybody, how are you? Well, I don't know where you sit right now, whether you're in Argyle or Denton or Lake Cities or even watching online, but the great thing about this day for me is I know I'm not the only one crying. What a wonderful tribute. Uh, come on, somebody, for our first responders. So, so grateful for them. So grateful to watch. A couple of weeks ago, over 60 people make a decision to take a step toward Jesus through baptism, to watch hundreds of you take your next step on our pathway. God is stirring some really, really good things here. But I have been really looking forward to being back with you because if you're new, we're in the middle of a year-long journey together called 40. You'll see some people have these little blue books, uh, and they're going to be taking notes. Lots of people are mad because some people stole more than one, and Jesus is going to deal with them. But um, <laughs> we've been talking about that basically this concept that believing will save you, but it's following that sets you free. That it is possible to be going to heaven and living in hell, and that's not God's heart for you. And that when we learn how to follow, we get set free, and we find the life that we've always been looking for. And so we're just going with the Israelites on a journey. We left them a few weeks ago. Those of you just act like you remember. It makes me feel better. Uh, that we were talking about they plundered the Egyptians. Uh, they got all these resources and all these choices in five miles of them. Think about it, Over five miles of people start heading toward the promised land. Lots of people in that line that thought Moses was the leader. They didn't realize they were leading those that were behind them. That's where some of you live. You think leadership is for somebody else, but if you're breathing, then you have opportunity to lead and to influence. And that's a good thing for each one of us. So now we come to Exodus 13, and I'm going to tell you this right now. If you don't have your book, grab a card out of the back of the seat and in your sign where it is. I'm going fast, so you better warm up. You're going to get some carpal tunnel here in a minute. Let's read Exodus 13, beginning verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Everybody say shorter. Shorter is not always better. But God, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Everybody say battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and you must carry my bones up with you from this place. Everybody say bones. bones. After leaving Succoth, none of you are going to say that, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. Yeah, man, it was funny. Y'all can laugh in church. It's all right. Come on, man. What's up? By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them. And on their, on their way, and by night, a pillar of fire. Everybody say pillar. pillar. To give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Let's pray. So, Father, would you come and do what only your Holy Spirit can do? Could you take broken words from a broken guy and just breathe life? I'm overwhelmed by your goodness and your mercy. It's in all of it. Everywhere I look, I see it. And I'm grateful. So, Father, speak to us. Nobody's looking for another day at church. We want our lives to be touched by the power of your Holy Spirit. So we're inviting you here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy doing at this season of my life, as much as honestly... Almost anything I do is helping young teachers 
learn how to teach the Bible. Uh, there's nothing on the planet that gives me more life. I think God created me for teaching the Bible, and yet I'm finding this unbelievable joy in taking young people. Many of you watch these unbelievable young people, younger people on our stages, and I love teaching them how to approach a text. We gather at least once a month together, and we're just in a season right now of just talking about how do you, how do you take a section of Scripture and, and let God begin to speak truth into you that you might share with somebody else. And I told them that when I get to stories like this story, one of the things I do is I read it over and over and over again. I ask the Lord just to, to just highlight things for me. Just what jumps off the page? I don't even have to know what it is at first. Just what jumps off the page? And then as, as, you, as you spend time in it, then the Lord will kind of show you, this is why this mattered so much to you. And I hope it matters that much to you as well because it matters a lot to me. I take this story that most of you heard when you were kids in Sunday school. Come on, man. We're in the buckle of the Bible belt. There ain't no unchurched people. You are previously church people. Your parents put you on a bus and made you go to church while daddy stayed home and drank beer. That's what happened to most people. Right? You went to Sunday school. You've heard the story. But you read this story here in Exodus 13, and there's four things that jump off the page at me. Can I just give you four? I'm going to run through three, and then we're going to hone in on one. Just four little sections of Scripture. I, I like to, one of the reasons I want you to have a card or have this book is because I like to write in my Bible, write the things that God is showing me. If you took one of my older Bibles, you'd see in this section of Scripture that when it says that when Pharaoh let the people go, here in verse 17, he didn't lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So he led them around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites, here's what gets me. The Israelites went out, up out of Egypt. Now, don't miss his arm for battle. Literally translated. Okay, we're not talking about spears and swords and shields. They were in military formation in groups of 50. So at some level, they thought they were ready. Isn't that crazy? Because when we talked at the burning bush, you remember? We talked about how Moses wasn't expecting to meet God at the burning bush. Moses wasn't in a good place emotionally. He had just named his first kid. Life's going to be terrible in the desert, basically, is what he said. This is my lot in life. And I told you that God comes to you when he's ready, not when you're ready. Remember this? Just nod like you did. Make me feel good, all right? And now we come here, and you've got some people who are ready. Yet God doesn't think they're ready. Have you ever been there? Like, I'm ready to be married. Why won't God give me a mate? I distinctly remember I was 28 years old. I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma City. And I, I, I went on interviews because I just, my heart was to preach the Bible. And I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a pastor. And Micah can tell you, I'm not making this up. We... We went to all of these places, and every time we would go, I still have a folder with the rejection letters I got. My favorites were not, we've chosen to go in another direction. My favorites were, after interviewing you, we've decided to keep looking. In other words, we're not sure who we want, but we're pretty confident it's not you. <laughs> right? And so, like, I'm sitting there one night in Oklahoma City. I'm looking at Mike, and I go, man, I'm, I've given my life to this, and I'm, I've spent the last six years training under this man. I've, he's invested in me. I've, I've opened myself up. And, 
why can't we do this? And Micah would say, well, maybe God has something else for you to do. And I remember saying, I don't want something else to do. I want to go do this. I'm ready. But see, sometimes what I see is delay. This is what I wrote in my Bible. What, what I see as delay is really protection. What I see as delay is really protection. Now, it's easy to look in the rearview mirror and see God's delay as protection. I don't have time to tell you the whole story about where God led me, which led me to something else, which led me to this, my life's ministry. It's not rocket science to see it in the rear view, but followers learn to see it out of the windshield. Okay? This is, this is something they haven't gotten yet, and this is something many of you haven't gotten yet. Is that God has your best interest in mind. That you see in a moment but God is seeing what's in front of you. And what you, some of you are here today because you're frustrated with God. You're frustrated with yourself because something that you really want hasn't happened. And I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Bible, that delay is your protection. That's your protection. Isn't it interesting when you read it, Jerry, that it talks about he doesn't take them through the Philistine country? Because Philistines, we all know the MVP of the Philistine army later is going to be a guy named Goliath. You remember this? Right? And it's like, so if God could deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians, surely he could take care of the Philistines. Hey, i got a word for you. Look at me, everybody. This is going to blow some of you church people's mind. God had grace for people that didn't know him yet. That wasn't just grace for the Israelites. That was grace for the Philistines. The reason I tear up when we worship and sing songs like How Faithful You Are. And, you know, there's never a day that you haven't been by my side. <laughs> that some of you that don't know God, one of the mind-blowing moments is when you come to know him and you begin to realize that he was protecting you all along the way. See, in the church, we like to think about us and them. We, we, we draw a line because it makes us feel comfortable. Some of us really believe that God likes us more because we're Christians. God doesn't draw lines. God draws circles. God's heart is for everybody. And God will protect and delay and protect and, and walk along even before you know him. Because his heart and his nature and his character is for you. I think it's just, um, is that not unbelievable? Just that kind of stuff just, it, it leaps off the page at me. The grace of God and his willingness to protect me even when I'm frustrated that it seems like delay. And then the second thing that pops off the page, my goodness, I'm, I'm going to run out of time early. Is then in verse 24 it says, or in verse 13 it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones with you up from this place. And see, I, in this little section of Scripture, I don't, have, I don't have delay and protection. The word that I have there is this, is, is promise. 
because when you go back and look at Genesis 51, I mean, doesn't it seem weird to anybody else that why in the middle of this crazy story, they go, and by the way, they took Joseph's bones with them. Like, who cares? They're going to the promised land. He's dead, right? But then you start tracing it back, and you find in Genesis 51 that, that Joseph's about to breathe his last. He's 110. And he says, hey, God made a promise, and I want to be a part of the promise. Now think about this, man. They put him in an Egyptian, like they mummified him. You don't do that to Jews. The, the foreknowledge and the direction of God that they're going to go into Egyptian captivity. Think about, is this not mind-blowing? They don't know it's coming. Joseph is, he's like king of the land because he saved them from famine. But it's going to turn, and God knew it. In other words, look at me. God doesn't always fulfill his promises the way we think he's going to fulfill them. But he always fulfills them. Joseph said, I don't know how he's going to do it. But he promised, I'm going to see the promise land, so you take my bones to the promised land. God's a promise keeper. I don't know how he's going to turn your situation around for his glory. I don't know. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. I don't know why, but I do know this. He's working for your good, and every promise is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Right? And so sometimes what i got to do is look in the mirror and say this, so I'm just going to say it to you. Quit looking for how it's going to happen and just hang on to the fact that it is going to happen. He's a promise keeper. If he's going to carry, if he's going to orchestrate events, if he's going to align the universe so that an old Hebrew bag of bones can get put in an Egyptian mummy state and hauled to the promised land, he got your deal covered too. It ain't hard for him. Okay? Promise. He's, he's a God of promise. And then, this is where I want to land for just a moment. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. It overwhelms me at the goodness of God. We could take some time, I don't have time today, but we could take some time and talk about how pitiful these people are. I'm pointing out to you along the way Next time we're together, what you're going to see is they're in the middle of a party. They're swapping rings that they got from the Egyptians. They're eating fatted calves. They're doing whatever they want to do. And all of a sudden, they see, here comes this cloud of dust of this army coming, and they panic. It's like God has supernaturally intervened in their lives. In the first moment of adversity, they forget about the God who's intervened over and over again. I know that's none of us, but that was them. God's going to give them something to eat when they're so bitter about their situation that they revise history. Is this unbelievable to anybody but me that they say this, 
it would have been better for us to be making bricks in Egypt than to be out here in the wilderness wondering where we're going to eat. Can anybody agree with me? That's like stupid and asinine thing to say. Nothing's worse than making bricks. And it, the quote will go over and over again. But you get in pain, you go back to what you know. Even what you, what you know isn't working, right? That's a whole other message. But So God gives them what they're whining for. Like he breaks every parental rule, Ryan. Like they whine long enough and are ungrateful long enough, he just gives it to them. And then they go, yeah, but what about meat? It's never enough. It's never enough. I see so much of me in those guys. There's so much of my heart and my humanness and my flaw in those guys. It's so easy to laugh and point out what they do. And yet, because I've got these blind spots in my heart, I can't enumerate the number of times I identify with these guys. And God takes these ungrateful, weak, cowardly, lacking character in that moment time. And he says, you know what? I'm going to make it really, really easy for you. You got one job. You know what the job is? Just follow the cloud. That's it. That's all you got to do. You don't have to figure it out. (laughs) I know you're scared. I know you don't trust me yet. So I'll give you a pillar by day and by night. And it will never leave you. Sounds like something Jesus is going to say in John's gospel, doesn't it? You begin to understand Jesus' words about him being a shepherd and us being sheep when you read the story of the Israelites. Because I've said a hundred times here before, Jesus loves me too much to call me stupid, so he calls me a sheep. And he says, hey, little sheep, look, I just want you, just, just follow the cloud. Just, just the best way you can, follow me. Uh, and from that day, To this day, if you boil it down, what does it mean to take your next step? What does it mean to become, to grow in Christ? What is, you know, church word, everybody loves discipleship. What does it mean? It means that no matter what, you just follow the cloud. Now, I'm going to date myself with some of you young ones, younger than me ones. Uh, I can't. I, I was trying to figure out today what the year was. I can't remember, but it was it was many, many, many years ago when they came out with this new invention. It was called a digital clock. Anybody remember when digital clocks, like bedside table digital clocks, first came out? I mean, I know some of you are hard to believe, but like on the oven, it used to be like a like a watch, fa- an old fashioned watch face. I mean, you had to like pick the numbers, right? And right, and and now all of a sudden the cl- the 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 oven's digital, and by your bed, you don't have to wake up and grab your old watch, you know, your old Seiko. You can go, like, it just says, it's beeping there, it's 10, 02, whatever. And, like, the digital, I know y'all think that's dumb if you're young, but, like, that was a huge deal. And then there was this huge group of adults who said, oh, my gosh, kids aren't going to know how to tell time anymore. They can't read a watch. And my answer to that was, who cares? They're always going to have a digital clock. <laughs> right? Does anybody remember this other than me? You know what's going on right now? You know what the studies are right now? 
the, the studies now are about GPS. Do you know this? There have done scientific studies that say your muscle memory, your spatial awareness, there, there's a memory that is created in the, it sounds like hippopotamus, but it's not. It's a word like that in your brain. That when, when you remember when, da- hey, I need an old person to look at me. Whatever campus you're at, old people, look at me. Remember when it was like, go past the Dairy Queen and turn it the right, it, it, take the second right past the tree. Anybody remember that? And so your brain starts remembering where things are, right? Here's what they're saying. Like, all of us, not just younger ones, all of us, we're losing that part of our brain. Right? Like, this is God's gift to me because I have no sense of direction. I am as lost as a goose in a snowstorm on a regular basis. I've never been able to tell east from west, north from south. I've never been able to see landmarks. Mike and I moved up to Cook County. Some of you know many at the first of the year. And so the closest town to us is the town of Gainesville. And like to go to the Tom Thumb grocery store in Gainesville, not Dallas, Gainesville, I have to put it in my phone. I've turned in, Mike is like, she's sitting there reading something or whatever, and I'm driving, and she's like, where are you going? I'm going to Tom Thumb. Well, it's the other way. So I don't want to be embarrassed because she grew up on a ranch, and she is directionally awesome. And so the greatest gift ever to me was GPS. I loved it when the maps came, Google Maps came. Anybody, you know, again, you just plug in the address. Like, who needs a map anymore? Just, you don't have to think about it. Just put it in if you got... You know, if you've got Bluetooth in your car, it's going to come over the Shout to the Lord song and tell you, hey, take a ride here in 250 feet, right? <laughs> now, I'm going old school. I told you I'm going old school. I ain't listening to no Sandy Patty, trust me. Um, so, but like the greatest invention for GPS lately for me is this app. Look, look at this. It's going to come up on the screen, this little picture. See, anybody know what this is? Waze, right? Now, let me, you, know, you know why I love Waze? Because it doesn't just tell you where to go. It tells you what's up ahead. Right? Like, take a left here because there's a bunch of traffic up there, and you're going to get there four minutes faster if you go up here. Okay, honest confession time. Honest confession time. How many of you have used the Waze app, and they told you to do something? You go, no, that's not right. Anybody besides me? How's that worked out for you? Right? You're going down, uh, if you guys are familiar with the Roanoke area, you're going south. Come on, somebody. I got south right on 377. And it gets to that, what, what hell's going to be is that Walmart area right down there where you get on 114. Right? And you, you're late for a deal. And Wade says, take a left here at Byron Nelson. You're like, I ain't that dumb. And that line ain't that long. And like 47 minutes later, right, people are calling you at the restaurant saying, hey, we're in the second course. Where are you? Because... And it's like, hey, dummy, listen, don't try to figure it out. Just do what Waze tells you to do. Right? Everybody with me? Y'all know where I'm going with this? Anybody know where Waze was invented? Israel. In Israel. I'm, Jesus, listen, I'm not making this up. Go Wikipedia right now. Some of you already are. I know you are, but hey. Where, where did the idea for Waze come? anybody's guess, but I'm telling you, man, I understand the Jewish culture. I've had Jewish drivers. I've been in that culture. and This Old Testament that, like, is interesting to us, it's the lifeblood of Jewish culture. Where, where would the idea come that I'm going to tell you where to go, and I'm going to tell you what's ahead even before you get there? Right? 
And so, like, you don't have to figure it out. You just need to follow the cloud. One of my favorite things about being a youth pastor, yes, Jen Day, I am watching the clock, um, was I, I just, I love teaching the story of Jesus to kids who hadn't really heard the story of Jesus, and I just like freaking them out, kind of like I like you guys sometimes, I'm telling stories that freaks them out, and, and, and they would always say at the end of those messages, well, you know what, that would have been easy to live like that if I'd have lived in the days of Jesus. Anybody thinking, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but thinking as I talk about this, I wish life was that simple. I wish I could just follow a, just follow a class. That's, if I'd have been back there, yeah, sure, I'd, that'd be easy. Do you know that right before Jesus dies, he says something to his disciples? I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to give you a little preview because I'm so into this because I'm studying right now. I've begun studying for next year for 2019, and the whole thing's going to be based out of one verse in John 16. Listen to this. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. This is what Jesus said. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I love the old first version of the NIV. You know what it says, Ryan? It says, it's better for you if I go away. Because see, the promise of Jesus was not for a cloud in front of us but a presence inside of us. And all that what you see in Exodus 13 is prophetic foreshadowing of what the Holy Spirit is promised to do in your life and my life. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to even know the end result. You just have to, to the best of your ability, follow the cloud that lives in you. And I'm going to say this to you. I love you. I'm for you. If you don't know Jesus, you ain't got a shot because you ain't got no cloud. It's up to you. And many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that's going to prevail. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Not because you're not smart. It's because you're presentless. And now when Paul says in Galatians 5, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. It begins to make sense, doesn't it? That this whole thing, like being filled with and following the Holy Spirit, it's not brownie points in the kingdom. It is vital to the life that you've been looking for. You'll never find your promised land until you learn to follow the presence of God that's in your life. You just won't. Some of you know, um, and I, I want to tell this, and I want to wrap up really, but some, I'll, I'll make it quick. Some of you know that Mike and I got blessed. We were just, I, I, I'm so blessed in so many ways, but we got to spend our, celebrate our 33rd anniversary in, in Italy, and which there, there, there's worse things, and I was not suffering for Jesus at all. But I had this great idea on Saturday night that we were going to have date night, because what's better than date night in Rome, Right? I mean, I'm putting some chips in the bank, boys. I'm, I'm about to rise up and call me blessed. So we decide that we're going to have a date night. And because we're in Europe, we're going to walk to the restaurant. Right? We're not going. We, ain't, we don't want no tourist restaurant. We're going to some restaurant that ain't nobody heard of. We found a tour guide that told us an off-the-beaten path, a local restaurant. 
And so we begin to walk and think about how awesome it is to walk in Rome, Italy. And who would have thought a kid from Angleton, Texas, and a girl from Brady get to walk in Rome, and it starts raining. And Micah pulls out her little girly umbrella that fits about a half a person under, and we're huddling under it. But look, it's no problem because I got Google Maps. I don't know what Jesus did to me. I just gave me a moment of ignorance. I didn't use Waze. I'm using Google's Maps. I can't figure out how to get it in English. It's in Italian. I don't speak Italian unless it's pizza or lasagna. <laughs> and it's telling me in Italian. I finally figure out what's left and right. And it's telling me the names of streets. But Rome obviously needs to come to Texas because they don't have street signs at every corner. I mean, you're, I don't know where the streets are. Long story short, it takes us 30 minutes plus, 30 plus minutes to walk in the soaking rain 15 minutes away because we weren't equipped to use the map and I looked at her because I've been married 33 years look at me you young guys look at me I looked at her and said I'm really frustrated right now and it has nothing to do with you it's because I hate being lost it's interesting how much relational conflict we have when we're lost isn't it and I thought about this message and I thought about you and I thought about me and I thought about how many times because we're not speaking and listening and living in the language of heaven we're not bad-intentioned people. We're just stupid sheep. And we, we just need to get really serious about doing the very best we can to follow the presence of God in our lives. I don't think it takes a doctoral study. Here's what I think it takes. Number one, I think it takes a background of the truth of the Word of God. If you're not hearing God it may be because you haven't built the context into which to adequately hear God. And that's why we are so intent on teaching you how to hear God for yourself. You don't need a pastor. The, the temple curtain was torn in two. You have full access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But you do need to understand that God's never going to call you to something that's clearly against his heart and his will for your life. And then you need people to walk that road with. You need spiritual family. You need relationships that matter. You need people who want your God's best, not simply your best. You need people to say, hey, man, this is what I'm sensing God leading me to. Can, you, can I, can I kind of bounce this off? Will you pray about it? Let me know what you're hearing, right? But you show me somebody, not who is fluent yet, but who is beginning to understand the word of God and someone who is building relationships, spiritual family, people who want God's best for you. And I'll show you somebody who will find their promised land because their GPS is changing from a heart of flesh to a heart of the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, I cast out the fear that some of you have about hearing God because you're scared you're going to miss God. And I'm telling you, he is a good father who loves the fact that you want to hear his voice. It ain't about getting it right. It's about following him. So quit looking for answers. Quit trying to figure everything. Quit reasoning yourself out of the kingdom. And just follow the presence of God that lives in you. And you will find your promised land. Can we pray? Anybody need the mercy and grace of God? Golly. There's so much of it. The Israelites in me, Lord. I'm so ungrateful, so unmindful so many times. 
I get scared over and over again when you have been faithful over and over again. You haven't left me ever. And yet so many times I feel alone. And yet you just lovingly just put your spirit in me. (laughs) What has been delay for me has been your protection. You're a promise maker. You're a promise keeper. I'm sorry when my idea of your promise is not your idea. But I thank you that you keep your promises. And would you just teach each one of us to just shut up and follow the cloud. Quit reasoning our way out of this thing. Just wherever, where he leads me, I will follow to the best of my ability. I thank you, Father, for so many next steps that are being taken here toward this life of freedom that comes only in following. And I pray that you just continue to build spiritual family among us. Thank you, Jesus, for the person of the Holy Spirit. Couldn't live without him. Love him. Love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.